The St. Louis Rams played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football on December 17, 2015, in their last game. They were on national television, keeping with a nationally televised battle over a stadium that escalated into more heartbreak than watching the Rams miss the playoffs for the 11th consecutive season. The franchise wasn't ending but it might as well have been dead to fans after owner Stan Kroenke returned the team to Los Angeles. The endless fights between Kroenke and the city of St. Louis left fans out of the discussion, despite both parties being equally invested in the team. To the fans, it was more than just a business. The then-called Edward Jones Dome rang out with 50,000 fans making one last effort to keep the Rams in St. Louis. The crowd wasn't at capacity, but with how much noise fans made, it might as well have been. They weren't just cheering for the Rams. They were cheering against Kroenke. It's hard to blame them. St. Louis had gone seven years without professional football when the Rams moved from L.A. in 1995. The now Arizona Cardinals ditched the city for similar reasons the Rams eventually would. That departure stunk, but at least St. Louis had the Rams. When the team moved to Missouri, then-owner Georgia Frontier wanted a world-class stadium and constructed a $280 million field called the Trans World Dome, which eventually became the Edward Jones Dome. The Rams entered a 30-year lease with the St. Louis Convention and Visitors Commission for the stadium. There was a clause in the contract with the condition that if the stadium was not among the top eight NFL stadiums by 2015, the Rams could renovate the existing stadium, build a new one, or leave the city. This is Neil DeMoss, co-author of the Field of Schemes book about how sports teams get their way with stadiums. Talked to you know somebody at one point who was actually on the negotiating team who told me that he kept going back to his boss and saying, "Are you sure we should ask for all these things? We're asking for an awful lot." And his boss was like, "You know what? The worst they can do is say no." The city did not say no. In fact, they agreed to most things Frontier and the Rams were trying to do. But the one clause about the stadium's condition had the most impact because of the NFL's fast-paced growth. 19 new NFL stadiums opened between 1995 and 2015, rendering the Rams Dome obsolete. Kroenke purchased the team in 2010 and first hinted at moving the franchise in 2012. He brought up the clause, so the Convention and Visitors Commission offered a renovation, and then the team made a counteroffer. Kroenke wanted a $700 million renovation, more than the stadium cost initially, even adjusted for inflation. The city balked at the high price, especially since much of it would be public money. You know, the city of St. Louis, you know, just didn't realize what they were getting themselves into. The team suffered through bad seasons and low attendance, and that only furthered Kroenke's push to move back to L.A., The 
The fans never stopped caring. They just didn't want to go to a bad stadium to watch an even worse team. The Rams won the last game in St. Louis, 31-23, but many fans hardly noticed the score. They were desperately protesting the move with signs and chants to no avail. All they wanted for Christmas was a new owner. An era of frustration ended with the color rush jerseys of the Rams and Bucks clashing almost as much as the franchise in the city. Some members of the greatest show on turf were honored at halftime, but to many, it was an empty gesture. Once the game was over, Kroenke and the Rams filed the relocation paperwork, paid the franchise relocation fee of $550 million to the NFL, and went to build a stadium in Inglewood. NFL owners approved the move on January 12, 2016, in a 30-2 vote. The same day the news came out that the Rams were officially moving, St. Louis Blues fans jeered Kroenke at a game against New Jersey. I'm Mac Jones, and this is the Field of Broken Dreams. Realistically, Northwestern football would be lucky to get on national television. Most Wildcat games start in the 11 a.m. kickoff slot, since NU's never that good. Ryan Field only seats 47,000, but the current Cats would be lucky to come close to filling that. The stadium is on its last legs. Concessions and seating are terrible, and the building is considered by many to be an eyesore. It frustrates fans of the stadium, residents around it, and many people at Northwestern, so it wasn't shocking when the university announced the renovation. It's more of a rebuild than a renovation, though. The current structure is being torn down and replaced with a modernized stadium and some of the best amenities in college football. Northwestern says the new stadium will bring massive economic benefits to the city, but exactly how much has been a point of contention. A point in Northwestern's favor is that the university doesn't plan to use public money to build Rhinefield. But there is a danger that Evanston increases the intensity of the conflict by giving NU too little or too much of what they want. And DeMoss knows that firsthand. That's kind of the, in a nutshell, you know, how things usually usually go. And, um, you know, I guess it's my job to... to, I, I have... It's not my job even. I have cast myself the, the uh, responsibility of, of, uh, of trying to shed light on the stuff. 
DeMoss has worked on stories similar to Northwestern since he and Joanna Kagan wrote an article about stadiums for the Yankees and Browns in 1995. They released the Field of Schemes book in 1998, with an updated edition in 2008. Yeah, I mean, usually it starts with a, you know, some sort of team wanting, you know, team owner wanting a, a new home, um, or, or, uh, or renovated. Um, usually because they figure, you know, a new one will make them more money, especially if they don't have to pay, um, all the costs of it. Many teams will cover the stadium's cost with public funding while privatizing much of the profit. Lucia Dunn, a sports and society research professor of economics at The Ohio State University, has seen more than her fair share of that. And I think the Buckeyes could get away with anything they wanted to do. If they wanted to take over a hundred more acres from the city on the side of the other side of the stadium, they would get it. According to Dunn, the city is so focused on the Buckeyes that they kept out MLB and NFL teams that wanted to move to Columbus. There is a soccer team, the Columbus Crew, and a hockey team, the Blue Jackets. But getting the NHL into Ohio's capital was a massive battle. There's always a fuss raised when you want to build a new stadium. And the, the stadium people almost always win out. I could one case where they didn't get what they wanted. You know, they do a lot of lobbying when it's public. They, they do a lot of lobbying. And the other people don't have the kind of, you know, funds to lobby like these are centrists. And so they use this. The guys pushing the stadium usually get what they want. The Blue Jackets wanted to build a new stadium when they formed in 2000. The building cost of Nationwide Arena was cheap compared to modern standards. It was only around $314 million in today's dollars. But Columbus had a public referendum, and residents voted down building the arena. A couple of big uh, supporters and investors came forward and cut a deal with the city that if the city would give them this kind of easement and, you know, free and, you know, essentially gave them the property it was going to be put on it, this, that, and the other, they go through. And so they did. They got it. They got the stadium and a lot of public money went into it. But through these backdoor deals they made with the, with the promoters who were going to own the sports team. Um, and, and they had been, a, and we were the, at that Point, we had been the only major city in the country that voted down one of these things, stopped it cold, but they got around it anyway. Northwestern is not using public money. They're committed to using private funds and can do so because of the Ryan family's massive $480 million donation. Therefore, there's no public referendum to see if they can build the stadium. The vote is up to the Evanston City Council. And as Dunn puts it, He always talks. It can't speak for itself, though. That's why Northwestern commissioned an economic impact study through Trip Mbach. The study is a comprehensive look at the stadium's impact on Evanston as is currently, and what it could be if the university's plans come to fruition. Some things that went into the 20-page report include capital expenditures, employment figures, and certain tax information. Trippenbach says the study is intentionally conservative with its estimates, 
but the numbers they came up with are still huge. Key findings include claims that Ryan Field will generate $1.3 billion in economic impact in Cook and Lake counties, that the total economic impact on the city of Evanston will grow from $50.4 million in 2021 to $65 million by 2031, and that the addition of special events held at Ryan Field will contribute another $35 million in new annual economic impact to the city of Evanston, raising the 2031 total to around $100 million added every year. The methodology seems sound. Here's Evanston's economic development manager, Paul Zalmazak. To me, on the surface, it looks like a standard economic tax study. Mm -hmm. They used um, a program called Implan, which is, you know, it's a it's a multiplier analysis tool where you plug in numbers, plug in zip codes, and it pulls up uh, a series of data points from which you know you you. You project economic impact. Even if the procedure is accurate, there's still reason to doubt some of the report's findings. Most economists say that numbers in similar studies are inflated through multipliers and other means, contradicting what Trip Mbach said about conservative estimates. I am a, I teach more students than anybody at the university at any time, plus in its history. Do a lot of research on the economics of sports. This is Alan Sanderson, a senior instructional professor in economics at the University of Chicago. When we talked in February, I was in school, and he was at school, and the audio quality isn't very good. But Sanderson was instrumental in working with the city of Boston to determine that it would not be financially viable for them to host the 2024 Olympics. Well, in most cases, uh, the uh, the economic impacts I think are a lot smaller than the uh, than the event promoters would uh, would suggest. I, I generally say, take whatever number the promoter or sponsors give you and move the decimal point one to the left, and you're probably pretty close. That sentiment is echoed by many in the Evanston community and the city council. For example, 7th Ward Alderperson Eleanor Ravel, whose ward includes Ryan Field, pushed the city to do an economic impact report. So it projects just millions and billions of dollars of wonderful new things for the city, and I, I just don't believe those numbers. So once I see, you know, just what 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 is going to be the economic impact for the city and for the community? Is it is it so amazing that it outweighs my concerns for my residents, or is it not? The council tasked Zalmazak with finding a firm to conduct a study, and they approved a contract award to C.H. Johnson Consulting on May 8th. If the university is going to... Um, uh, is going to have a series of concerts or events in each of football. The city uh, council wants to understand what kind of economic impact that will have for the city um, in order to understand if that's worth the trade-off of, of the noise and traffic generated by uh, those events. The city released its report on September 15th after a little less than half a year of work by Johnson Consulting. The report claimed that the historical economic impact of Ryan Field 
was around 47.2 million. But with three or six concerts, that number would have increased to 66.7 million and 77.8 million, respectively. The three-scaled discrepancy with concerts between Northwestern's report and the city's likely came from the number of events. As Johnson Consulting worked on the report, the number of concerts Northwestern requested decreased substantially. Adjusted for that, the numbers are similar, although the Trippenbach report still has a higher increase in economic impact from for-profit events. Both studies, while differing on the minutia, agree the stadium will positively impact the city economically, specifically local businesses. Dunn and DeMoss disagree with that conclusion. It's highly dependent on what type of um, of industry or business, retail business you're talking about. I kind of get back talking to a guy who ran a, um, a restaurant in St. Louis near the near the Rams Stadium. The Rams were still there. Um, and talking to him about like, you know, what will it mean to you when the, when the Rams leave? And he was like, I don't care. I actually close on game days because it's like this fire hose of people pass and I can't, you know, uh, seat that many people for a meal all at once. Um, so I'm not going to make that much money on it. And meanwhile, none of my regular customers could park on those days because, uh, because there's, you know, there's so much traffic and so much, you know, all the parking is taken up. So it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a mix, right? You, you, you get, uh, you get, uh, a whole lot of people for a really short period of time, which has, I guess, some upsides. Um, but, um, you know, there are downsides as well. Even if some businesses around the area need to close because they can't handle the increased crowds, others around Evanston benefit massively from having Northwestern in such proximity. Corn Rind Hospitality is one of those businesses. There's Taco Diablo, a Mexican restaurant, Five and Dime, a rooftop bar and patio, the Blue Horse Tavern, a classic American kitchen, and Lulu's, a virtual restaurant using the same space as the other three. Daniel Kelch owns the four restaurants, all operating under one roof two miles south of Ryan Field near downtown Evanston. When we first opened here 31 years ago, the reason we, we were running a restaurant in the city, the reason we came to Evanston was because of Northwestern. We would never have come here if not Northwestern to begin with. And so over the years, we've reinvested and expanded multiple times. And all of that is based on the fact that Northwestern is here, each and every one of those expanded investments. People have expressed concern over how far-reaching the economic effects of Rhinefield are, but Kelch is certain any benefit will at least make it to his area of Evanston. Corn Rhine's busiest days connect to a Northwestern event like Homecoming or Move-In Week. Football games are our biggest you know, graduation, we know it's just our hugest levels of business are always directly tied to the university. So if they're going to be doing things that are going to bring thousands of people to mm -hmm. Central Street, those people, because they, they run shuttles back into, you know, people talked and complained about that, but, you know, they're very good about running shuttles. And those shuttles are dropping people off literally across the street from them, picking them up and dropping them off. So we... We benefit from that in a major, major way.
visiting schools come to play Northwestern and take over not only the stadium, but the city too. Cheer squads, mascots, and fans go to Kelch's restaurants on game days and increase the profits by a substantial margin. When Wisconsin comes to play, Taco Diablo, Five and Dime, and the Blue Horse Tavern all fill with red and white jerseys. And all those people, they'll sell out the whole upstairs up here. It's hundreds of people. And that's huge. You know, graduation weekend, that whole, it's not just those few days. I mean, it's literally weeks leading into graduation. are the two busiest weeks we have here, flat out, outright, without exception. I've seen people question it, and I was just thinking, well, they obviously don't run a business. They don't know what they're talking about. Kelch is well prepared to reap the benefits of college football game days. However, Corn Ryan can't take advantage of every opportunity Northwestern presents. Concessions are an issue at the current Ryan Field, and there's been discussion about implementing local businesses into the stadium to improve them. And they've approached us about, you know, would you like to bend over there? Um, and it makes sense that they would do that. It's not something that I've necessarily wanted to do, because that's an off-site catering thing that, we're not necessarily well equipped to handle that in kind of manner, and so it's not something I'm, I'm, I've ever necessarily pursued doing. But if I wanted to, I'm sure I can make a phone call and have that conversation. And maybe it wouldn't be this year or next year, but it would happen at some point. They have always been very responsive to putting in local businesses at concessions over there. Many Evanston businesses share the connection between Kelch and Northwestern. I know an awful lot of business people. I have yet to encounter someone that is not supportive of it. Everything Kelch is saying backs up Northwestern's economic impact study. The Trip Umbach report often references tax revenue generated from the stadium, which is ironic since Northwestern, as a nonprofit, doesn't pay property taxes. The survey references other taxes that benefit Evanston, but it's still unfortunate. And Northwestern only kind of pays a payment in lieu of taxes or pilot. There seems to be confusion between 8th Ward Alderman Devon Reed and Alderperson Ravel. Northwestern pays about a million dollars a year to the Good Neighbor Fund. And so, you know, for folks saying that Northwestern isn't paying their fair share in property taxes, sure but they just about are by giving the million dollars a year in the Good Neighbor Fund. Oh, I don't pay the pilot. Absolutely, absolutely do not pay, pay that. The confusion surrounds the Good Neighbor Fund, an agreement between former Evanston Mayor Elizabeth Tisdall and Northwestern President Morton Shapiro. Under that agreement, the university donated a million dollars annually to the city of Evanston's Good Neighbor Fund for five years, starting in 2015. Proceeds go to capital improvements for the city, support for existing city services, and more. Some believe this was a fair substitute for property taxes, while others, such as 6th Ward Alderman Tom Sufferton, believe Northwestern should still pay a more traditional pilot. Private, universities located in various cities across the country, those institutions make a payment in lieu of taxes. Uh, and we can't impose that on them. They have to agree to it. Uh, and, you know, I think this is a time to come to the table and discuss that. If they want to be a hard no on that. That's fine. But um, 
I think it's in their best interests to entertain that discussion. It's a balancing act for Northwestern. As much as the university can do to benefit Evanston and its businesses, it also needs to keep its interests at heart. With the renovation, it's possible to strike that balance since the stadium benefits Northwestern and places like Edzo's Burger Shop, owned by Eddie Lakin. We get a lot of the out-of-town football fans, so they stay downtown in the hotels and then they come and eat, or depending on when the game is, you know, on a game day, if it's a three or six, then people kind of just mill around downtown all day long. So that really helps make us busier on those game days. Lakin has experienced a similar phenomenon to Kelch when the opposing team's fans come into the city and turn colors away from the purple of Northwestern. It may frustrate Wildcat fans that their rival fans have that much impact, but it helps businesses like Edzo's stay open. I would say we're at least 50% busier on a game day Saturday than we are on a regular Saturday. Lakin has been a Northwestern fan since he was a kid and understands the team's value to the city as much as anyone. My dad went to Northwestern, uh, and he used to take us to the games, and that was back when they had the infamous, uh, like, I think it was five or six seasons in a row where they didn't win. Uh, it, they were like the infamous, like, worst football team in won football for a long time. Went, and they, they were fun games, and, you know, I always loved the... Uh, kind of the traditional, like, Big Ten football, fall day kind of atmosphere. In some ways, the numbers from the economic impact reports don't need to speak when so many business owners will vouch for the impact on game day. And there is the potential that game days will no longer be the only days with that impact. But the added for bonus for me is all the concerts. They're, they're going to do a bunch of concerts there. Uh, and that'll definitely just, it, it's just going to generally bring more activity to Evanston overall. So definitely Central Street will get a lot of the business. We'll definitely feel it too. If Northwestern does decide to involve local businesses in concessions, there are plenty of options. There could be a Mustard's Last Stand satellite location, an Edzo's Stand, or a Taco Diablo vendor. I mean, it all depends on how they set it up. Uh, a lot of times, the stadium concessions, they just build, uh, you know, a blank kitchen canvas, essentially, and then kind of plug in different concepts as, um, you know, things become popular or as the need arises. So I imagine they could do, like, a rotating cast of, of restaurants. Maybe they could have a permanent, a bunch of permanent ones. Maybe a couple like, you know, local representation pop-ups, you know, where people local ones get to sell them for, you know, a couple games. But we would definitely be interested if they asked us. The United Center has a similar model to Lakin's idea and has community staples as concessions. It works well in a city with as much culinary history as Chicago, and Evanston has plenty of options, too. Overall, the Rebuild Ryan Field project only brings advantages to Lakin. I'm generally not a big fan of public financing of stadium projects, so if they were going to use, like, taxpayer dollars or something, I would 
it would kind of maybe rub me the wrong way. I don't think they're even. I don't think the city of Evanston is is putting anything towards it. So I, I wouldn't. I can't even see why there would be any hesitation. Lakin can't see any hesitation, and according to the Moss, it might not matter even if there is. You know, it's just a matter of negotiating. Uh, you know, negotiating the terms. And unfortunately, um, you know, the typically uh, teams have better lawyers than whoever, whatever city lawyers happen to be on the case. Or not necessarily better lawyers, I shouldn't say that, but lawyers who know the ins and outs of the sports is better, right? You know, so like the reason why the Rams were able to get out of that lease in St. Louis and move back to L.A. is because they had people on their side negotiating the deal. There is so much money invested in stadiums that those involved are willing to fight tooth and nail to be positive it happens. Estimates vary on the chances of Northwestern's success. Some at Northwestern predict 80-20 odds in their favor, while Ravel and some on the city council see those numbers differently. I'd say it's more 50-50. Things can change quickly as new information comes out about the history of the stadium and Northwestern's plans for the future. Salmazak had the task of finding the consulting firm for the city's economic impact report and had to deal with the changing demands of the council, so he's very well aware of that. I think it's important that we, we, we try to remain um, open-minded and um, think of a way that, like, uh, in a traditional democracy, we always try, we try to, democracy is messy, right? Let's find a middle ground, a compromise, that works for all parties involved because um, objectively, professionally objectively, um, a brand new $800 million to a $1 billion construction project is going to have a positive economic impact on the community. Let's figure out a way that we can bring that project forward but mitigate all of the concerns or most of the concerns that especially the adjacent neighbors who are going to suffer during those noisy events. So let's figure out a plan that works for everybody. And let's not always assume that, you know, that the university is um, intending harm or is bad in some way. They're mm -hmm. our biggest employer. They stabilize our economy. We have a fresh set of freshmen every year that bring great new ideas. Let's figure out a way to work together. Northwestern and the city are often against each other but the university is still Evanston's biggest employer. There's still a massive economic boost, even if they don't pay property taxes. There's a way to work together and have a harmonious town-gown relationship with a place for financiers and promoters of the stadium to fit in as well, even if Dunn, Sanderson, and other economists think of them as only in it for themselves. The redistribution of public money from poorer people Forest taxers, richer people. It's a shift of money to billionaire sports team owners and millionaire professional athletes. Well, one would tend to think that, uh, and again, I don't know dollar figures, but probably lucrative or the promoters wouldn't do it. The rich will get richer with Ryanfield. They'll likely be the ones to benefit the most monetarily. But the community benefits even more. No business or restaurant illustrates that better than Mustard's last stand. 
Mustard's is a hot dog place right next to Rhinefield, and it moves outdoors on game days to the west parking lot to serve freshly made food at an old-fashioned hot dog stand. People flock to manager Samuel Lisea's high-quality food, as it's far better than most nourishment available at tailgates. Mustard's was uh, started in 1969 by Jerry and a couple other uh, partners. And then uh, originally it's supposed to be a pizza place and it's supposed to get transferred out. And then uh, I guess the hot dog business went so well that it just stayed as a hot dog. I came in uh, in 2007. I came in uh, just with the mentality of a quick little job that I could make some money with. And... I came around here and I think I just like the, the place and like the people that I work with, like the ownership. And then I actually made it a career out of it. Mustard's is a fast food restaurant, but it's nothing like larger chains such as McDonald's or Burger King. The prices are comparable, but the atmosphere is much more familiar. There's a lot of uh, students that are like not from the United States that come to Northwestern and then they get to come to Mustard's and when their families are here they bring them here so we get people from all over. Northwestern has had a huge impact on Mustard's, similar to Lakin and Kelch, but with Rhinefield neighboring the stand, the difference on game day is even bigger. I, I think it's a uh, it's pretty big because uh, on some of the slower times of the year when we're trying to maintain, I, I think by having them right next to us, it just gives us that a little extra edge on our low seasons, you know, like with the extra activities, with the sporting events, camp, anything to do with any of the sporting events that is brought a group of people uh, from out of town or anything like that, we always get that. Ryan Field is essential to Mustard's Last Stand, and Mustard's Last Stand is essential to the community. We we have, um, I mean, it's all kinds of stories, you know, like from like people having a bad day and like, for example, when people have some family member that is really sick or like uh, just by giving them some kind of words that could maybe like put a little bit of smile on their face or like get, sending a shake to their loved one that is doing bad or something and then it, it just like uh you start building a connection the new stadium will be valuable to mustards in numerous ways game days are already big but the potential addition of other events can make the restaurant even more successful the closest place to grab lunch during construction is Mustard's. That'll be another benefit. And even though the stadium will be important for the stand, we say remains open-minded and understanding as to why some people are against it. I know that there's some uh, neighbors that are opposed to it because they have more details than I do. I, I'm not like too involved with what's going on. They have more details, so they get affected more directly because they live here. They they are going to lose some of their parking spots on like Lincoln and things like that for the concerts and 
they know how many concerts they're planning on doing. I don't have the exact like information and stuff like that. But like like I said, I'm not a uh, Evanston resident. I'm in Skokie, so it's of like being around the area, I don't really get affected by it. And working here in terms of working and running this business, I think it benefits the business itself. Like, but uh, in terms of like the neighborhood, I I don't know. Uh, much info on how they will be affected, you know. There's some against it and all that. So. Many people on either side of the discussion around Ryan Field don't share Lisa's understanding mindset. There's frustration and disagreements, and people aren't listening to each other. In the wake of the Rams' departure from St. Louis, the city sued the team and the NFL in a lawsuit that sought over a billion dollars in lost revenue to St. Louis. The suit claimed that Kroenke and the Rams never intended to stay in the city and used all the drama to fuel the exit, and that the NFL ignored its own relocation guidelines to allow the move. City officials, still incensed by Kroenke's 29-page relocation application that trashed all of St. Louis, refused to back down. It took four and a half years to reach a settlement of $790 million, a few months before the scheduled trial. The NFL forced Kroenke to pay around three-fourths of the cost, with the rest coming from the other 31 teams. The NFL and Kroenke still deny any wrongdoing, despite agreeing to the settlement. St. Louis, meanwhile, has opened the conversation to the public on how to spend the money with a survey. The options are limitless with the amount of money paid to the city, and residents can't agree on what to do with it. But however St. Louis divides it, the money will go a long way. At least, instead of millionaires and billionaires deciding what to do, the public's voices could be heard. That's next time on The Field of Broken Dreams. The Field of Broken Dreams is a podcast from the Evanstonian, the student newspaper at Evanston Township High School. It's advised by John Phillips, with executive editors Jillian Denlow, Claire Gustafson, and Sophia Sherman. The Field of Broken Dreams is reported and produced by me, Mac Jones, with help from Isaac Swarsfield. Our theme music is by Sam Purcell. The final mix of this episode was done by me. We have five more episodes coming. You'll be able to find them all on our website, evanstonian.net, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more stories about Northwestern and other events pertaining to Evanston there, too. Again, it's evanstonian.net. Special thanks to everyone interviewed, 
Fox 2 Now, and Brian King.